Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will discover what it means for us to have the faith of a mustard seed and the ability to move mountains. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 17, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. How many times have I read this verse conjuring up images of large mountains plunging into the ocean? Now, I've never seen this happen, nor have I witnessed any of my prayers causing even as much as a pebble to move out of its place. Or have they? Now, we need to understand that Yeshua was telling us a parable. It's commonly called a metaphor. He was not saying that we could re-landscape our entire yard simply by having faith and wishing or praying about it, although I admit that would be pretty fantastic. He said in Matthew 11, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Yeshua was talking about kingdoms. We read in Matthew 4, It says again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, it should be evident that there's not a single mountain anywhere in the world, including Mount Everest, where you can visibly see all the kingdoms of the world. So again, this narrative is spiritual and therefore the images we read about are allegorical. And so we can assume that mountains in the Bible, especially those mentioned in the prophecies, often represent kingdoms. For example, we read in Isaiah chapter 2, it says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, which is the kingdom of God, shall be established on the top of the mountains, which are the kingdoms of the world, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And in Isaiah 25, we read, And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces. In Daniel chapter 2, it says, And the stone, who is Christ, that struck the image of the beast, became a great mountain, a kingdom, and filled the whole earth. So in these verses, the stone is an image of Christ, and the mountain of the Lord clearly signifies God's kingdom. The Lord declared in Isaiah chapter 40, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Again, these mountains are allegories that signify earthly kingdoms. So, considering this understanding, we can now reread the words of Yeshua this way. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this kingdom, move from here to there, and it will move. 
So in other words, Yeshua is telling us that we, the church, have authority over earthly kingdoms. Now presently, these kingdoms are under the control and dominion of Satan and his powers of darkness. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so therefore, moving earthly kingdoms requires more than just faith. We must wrestle against them in prayer, fasting, and speaking the truth of God's word. But faith is the foundation of all things. Now, returning to our opening verse, notice the context of our opening scripture. The disciples had just watched Yeshua rebuke a demon. It came out of a boy, and the child was healed immediately. Now, perplexed, they asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. Now, I wonder, are we like the disciples who lack the faith to understand the authority that we have in Christ? And even if we are strengthened in our faith, do we have the discipline of prayer and fasting? Do we know the scriptures well enough to declare God's truth and to wrestle against Satan's deceptions? And do we recognize the purpose for why God has anointed us to wrestle against our principalities and to move earthly kingdoms? Some falsely teach that the church not only has the authority, but has the responsibility to move these kingdoms out of this world and to establish Christ's kingdom now. And this theology is called dominionism, and it's a false teaching. Aspects of dominionism have worked their way into patriotism and nationalism, causing some people to incorrectly believe that the church is called to somehow take this and other nations back from Satan and establish them as Christian ones. Yeshua said in John 18, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. And we read in Revelation 11, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So we need to accept the truth that presently all nations including this nation and the nation of Israel, are under the dominion of darkness. And there is a time already set in the future when Christ will return to the earth and establish his millennial kingdom. And until then, we are called to work and advance his kingdom. So how is this view different from dominionism? Well, let's find out. There are global systems in place that are governed by both earthly and spiritual principalities. Paul said in Romans 8, The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. In other words, a person who does not have the Holy Spirit will naturally follow the ways of the world. They are incapable of seeing the kingdom of God and do not realize they are at enmity with Him. They are blind. But even more so, they are dead spiritually dead to God, and one day their bodies will physically die also. We read in Proverbs 14, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. 
So when we pray, fast, and declare God's word, we are in effect wrestling against the rulers of the darkness of this age and the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places who have blinded and deceived all humanity. We are moving their kingdoms and their deceptions out of the way so the dead who are presently living under their lies and their deceit can hear and see God's truth and be saved. Peter declared in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are laboring to establish God's kingdom in the hearts of men and women. And so therefore Yeshua said in Matthew 20, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The only thing in this world that is of eternal value is our soul. And so the most valuable treasure that we can store up for ourselves in heaven are the souls of those we lead into the kingdom of God. How? Well, by moving mountains and earthly kingdoms out of their way. And since Christ's kingdom is not yet established on earth, his mountain, for now, advances in the hearts and minds of those who are being saved. And our treasure is being stored up for us for a future time. But there's more for us to understand about moving mountains. When the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai, he not only revealed himself to the Israelites, he made himself known to the kingdoms of this world. And many years later, the prophet Elijah came to the same place, and the Lord spoke to him there, saying, in 1 Kings chapter 20, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Yehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Yehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Yehu, Elisha, will kill. Yet I have reserved ten thousand in Israel, all those knees who have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. From the roots of Sinun, the Hebrew word for Sinai, it means thorn or thornbush. And it is believed that Moses saw a burning thornbush on Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is also called Mount Horev. And the Hebrew word Horev comes from the root Harav, which means to lay waste, to be dried up, and to fight. In Hebrew, the word Sinai and Hahorev are synonymous with a dry wasteland filled with thorn bushes. But there's an interesting correlation and similarity between Mount Sinai and the Garden of Eden, which appear to be dichotomies. When God expelled Adam and Eve from Eden, he placed a flaming sword at its entrance. And the Hebrew word for sword is harev. Harev comes from the same root harav and implies to fight and to make waste. It also derives from the word horev called Sinai, which, as we just learned, implies a wasteland filled with sharp thorns. And so it is believed that the burning thorn bush that Moses saw is a picture of the flaming sword at the entrance to the Garden of Eden. 
So how does all this correlate with Christ and his church? Well, let's find out. When Adam and Eve sinned and were expelled from the Garden of Eden, they brought a curse of thorns and desolations, a rev upon the creation. We read in Genesis chapter 3, it says, Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. But we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. So on the cross, Yeshua, Jesus, took upon himself our curse of thorns, Haorev. As we read in Mark 15, it says, And they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And so therefore Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, Galatians chapter 3. Yeshua has now laid waste, harav, our sins, and has called all men to repentance. And he has fulfilled the law given on Mount Horev, Sinai, and freed us from its condemnation that leads to death. And in the same mountain, this earthly kingdom of Horev, which is a wasteland filled with thorns, he, Jesus, has fought against harav, our adversaries, with a flaming sword, Horev. We read in Colossians chapter 2, it says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. As the Lord judged the gods of Egypt at the Exodus, he will now bring his final judgment against all principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this age and the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We read in Isaiah 42, it says, I have held my peace a long time, and I have been still and restrained myself. But now I will cry like a woman in labor, I will pant and gasp at once. I will lay waste, Horev, the mountains and hills, and dry up all their vegetation. I will make the rivers coastlands, and I will dry up the pools. And if humanity does not repent, we will be judged with these spirits and principalities. Just as the Lord declared in Revelation chapter 2, he said, Repent, or else I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword, Rev, of my mouth. Isaiah chapter 5, the Lord said, I will lay waste, Rev, and it shall be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. The Lord has also declared his final judgment against the nations for their hatred of Israel. As we read in Ezekiel 35, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against you. I will stretch out my hand against you, Harav, and make you most desolate. I shall lay your cities waste, Horev, and you shall be desolate. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, because you have had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword, Harav, at the time of their calamity when their iniquity came to an end. God has moved mountains, earthly kingdoms, so that we might be saved. And he has laid waste our sins and fought against our adversaries with a flaming sword. And now the Lord is calling and empowering his church to do the same. 
So therefore, let us have the faith and the discipline to fast, pray, and declare the truth of the gospel to all men, to the Jew first and to the Gentiles. And let us move mountains to free humanity from the tyranny and deception of Satan and invite all men into the freedom and Sabbath rest of Christ's eternal kingdom. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.